0: Well, good morning, church, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, what a great day for us to gather and be together, and I'm so thankful that we can gather in this place today as, uh, as we, you know, kind of get here into the heart of May, which is, if you're anything like me, it's just a busy season and a busy time. Today we're actually starting a new series. So I'm really glad you're here. Uh, we're starting a new series today that will be from uh, the book of Hebrews. So if you want to go ahead and start turning that way in your Bible or in your Bible app, you can do that, and we'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, And what I want to talk about for the next few weeks is this idea. The series is called Never Going to Let Me Down. And this is why I I think I want to talk about this over the next few weeks as we head into summer. Because I believe, and you can agree or disagree with this, I I really believe we live in a world, we live in a time, we live in a culture where maybe it's harder than ever for us to trust. And just think about that. Uh, You know, It doesn't really matter what your politics are. I'm guessing that everyone in the room, we could all agree that to one degree or another, our government has let us down in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It really doesn't matter what industry you work in. I'm pretty sure we could all agree that at one point or another, the leadership of that company, that organization has let us down. I don't really know how much money you make. I don't really need to know. But my guess is, regardless of how much money you make or you don't make, we could probably all agree that to one degree or another, our economy has let us down. And for some of us, maybe some of you in the room this morning, and maybe for some people who aren't in the room this morning, they would say they've lost faith in the church. It feels like to me that for a lot of people, they feel like everyone has let them down. And it makes me wonder this question. Have you lost faith in God? And what I mean by that is, do you feel like God is going to let you down too? Like, are you afraid to put your trust in God? Because of the way, over and over again throughout your life, it seems like the overarching narrative is that people have let you down. And maybe you feel like God has let you down too. Well, it is Mother's Day, so I wanted to start today with a story about chocolate. Um, Hunter Jabbins was a freshman at Kansas State University. I think this was last spring when this actually took place. I shared this story with our teenagers about a year ago on a retreat, and I was reminded of it again this week. Hunter was, was driving up to his dorm room one spring day, and uh, he, he pulled up front, he parked his car, and I'm sure his mama taught him, whenever you get out of your car, always lock the door. But he thought, I just got to run in and grab something. I'll just be a few minutes. So he let this car door unlock. And in the cup holder, uh, in the front seat, the front cup holder of his car, he left a perfectly unwrapped Kit Kat bar sitting there in his cup holder, not thinking you know, twice about it. So he goes up to his room, and about 15 minutes later, he comes back to his car, hops in his car, and he notices the Kit Kat is gone. Oh, my goodness. So he starts looking around his car, thinking maybe it fell out or got moved around. He can't find it. What he does find, though, is this napkin where someone had left a note. And this is what it says on the napkin. It says, saw Kit Kat in your cup holder. I love Kit Kats. So I checked your door, and it was unlocked. Did not take anything other than the Kit Kat. I am sorry and hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So Hunter took a picture of the napkin, as you can see, and he posted this tweet he said, "Left my car for maybe 15 minutes in front of the dorms, and I come back to this college, man. I think this is why we have a hard time trusting, because we live in a world where people will take your Kit Kat when you're not looking. Can I get an amen?" <laughs> There's more to the story. I'll tell you more in a minute. But truthfully, that that's not why we have a hard time trusting. I mean, I get it, but the reason that you and I have a hard time with trust isn't because people steal our chocolate. And if we want to be real honest, the real problem or the real reason we have, we, we have issues with trust isn't because of our government. I mean, you could think back to the glory days of when this guy was president or this person or this administration was in and how it was so much better way back when. But the truth is, if you're putting your hope and your dreams in a political system, it's going to let you down. The truth is, the reason you and I have trust issues isn't because of leadership and, and I get it. I, I know that you've got tension in your life or in your home or in you know your work because at some point you were passed over for a promotion or you didn't get the raise or things didn't work out and you feel like you didn't get credit for that deal and, and that hurt and I get that but the reason the reason isn't because of that because if you're putting your hope in those above you in the org chart they're always gonna let you down. The reason that you and I have issues with trust isn't because of our economy. And it's not because of the church. I think the reason you and I have an issue with trust, well, at least one of the reasons, it's because at some point in your life, if you rewind the tape of, of, of your life up to this point, at some point along your journey, someone close to you let you down. And Maybe for you it was that, day or that night when your parents sat you down and they told you that they loved you but they didn't love each other anymore. And if you think about it, it, from that point on, you've had a really hard time trusting people and if you're honest, you've had a really tough time trusting God. If you rewind the the tape of your life and you go go back in your journey to when it all began because let's be honest, children, when they're little, they they give trust away freely. They, they, They give trust away easily. But at some point that changed for you and it may be because you had a significant person in your life Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was a brother or sister, maybe it was a really close friend, someone that you put your trust in, and and they became your confidant, and they kept your secrets. You shared with them those things that you didn't share with anyone else, and when those things that you held private became public knowledge and your trust was broken, well, if you're like me, Ever since that day when that happened, it made it really hard for you to trust people. And if you're honest, it probably made it really hard for you to trust God. Or maybe, like a lot of us, you put your hope and your faith in some spiritual leader, some person that you looked up to as a as a spiritual giant. And you thought, man, I want to I want to live like they live. I want to be like they are. I want to have that kind of relationship with God. I want to to know Jesus the way they do. I I I I want to be more like them because it just seems like they're the kind of person, like they're having dinner with Jesus every night, and I want to be more and more like them. And then when their private sin became public knowledge, you were devastated. And you began to question everything you knew about God, that they had taught you about God, and you even began to question God. You see, what I think has happened for a lot of us is that the reason we have a hard time with trust is because people close to us have failed us. And when people fail us, we feel like God has failed us. And the question I want us to wrestle with is how do we have a visible faith in an invisible God when over and over again throughout our life it feels like people have let us down? And if we're being really honest, it feels like God has let us down. So what I want us to do is I want us to look for the next three or four weeks at the book of Hebrews, if you want to open up to that. In your Bible, it may say across the top, the letter to the Hebrews, but the truth is Hebrews itself calls itself a a word of exhortation. In other words, it's literally a sermon or maybe a series of sermons, depending on how you read it. And there's no doubt it was circulated among the churches uh, when it was written. But it's a word of hope, and it's a word of encouragement, especially to probably second-generation Jewish Christians who were living in a time when it was very difficult to believe in Jesus, when it was very difficult to hold on to your faith in Jesus. In fact, they were facing oppression and persecution and suffering and trials because of their faith in Jesus, and it would have been much easier to let go of their faith in Jesus and maybe revert to their older faith, their Jewish faith, or maybe just not believe at all. That would have been a lot easier, and my guess is for some of you, you've thought that too. Like, man, it might be just easier if I didn't believe, you know? Maybe I could go farther faster. Maybe I could advance my career a whole lot quicker if I didn't have this faith thing holding me back. I didn't know when I started the Christian life, when I started believing in Jesus, when I started following Jesus, that it was going to be this difficult. If you've ever asked that question, then this is a great moment to step into. It's a great text to step into because these Christians, while they didn't probably enjoy the privilege and influence that you and I have, they were up under it. They were up under the pressure and the hardship of holding on to their faith when it was not easy to hold on to it. And knowing this, whoever wrote, we don't know who wrote this, whoever wrote this this manuscript, this letter to the Hebrews, this sermon that we call Hebrews, they knew that one thing they had to do was to give these people who were believing in Jesus something to hang on to, some encouragement to hold on to their faith when it would have been so much easier to let go. And I love the way the Hebrew writer says this in Hebrews 10. If you want to look at Hebrews 10, we'll start in verse 35. Because the Hebrew, said, Hebrew writer said this. said, so Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised for in just a little while. Hold on a little bit longer because the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones, you, you will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are... The faithful ones whose souls will be saved. In other words, you can have a visible faith in an invisible God because God has made a promise to those who believe in Jesus and God never breaks his promises. In other words, when it would be easier for you to let go of your faith, you have to hang on to this confident hope. When it would be easier to let go because you were up under it and you don't know if you can hold on any longer. You can hold on to your faith in Jesus because God has promised to those who believe in Jesus that he will come and he will save you. In other words, God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. So be faithful to God. Because God never breaks a promise. And God will come to the rescue and God will come and save you. But that's not the only reason you should hang on to your faith. That's not the only reason you should have a, a visible faith in an invisible God. The Hebrew writer knew there was really even more to it than that. And that when you're up against it in the present, some of you are there right now. Some of you have been there in the past. When you're in the middle of a circumstance, a sickness, an illness, a family matter, something going on in your world with your work or your, your, your life, and you don't know if you can hang on much longer, sometimes when you can't see God in the present, the best way to hang on to your faith is to look back to the past. And to remember that God, who has promised to be faithful, has been faithful in the past. And so the very next move the Hebrew writer does in Hebrews 11, some of you know this, is the Hebrew writer goes back and he wants to recount all the ways that over and over throughout the centuries, God has been faithful to his people. Now you may know these stories, some of you may not. The first readers or or hearers of this word of Hebrews would have known these stories. But even if you don't know these stories, I want you to listen this morning to Hebrews 11. And I want to read the whole thing because I want you to hear how over and over again, throughout the centuries, God has always been faithful to his people. Hebrews 11. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed by God's command, that what what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch, my personal favorite Bible character, Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never even happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without even knowing where he was going. And when, and when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country that that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son of through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently, that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with him when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses. Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses, Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is, get this, invisible. It was by faith. That Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, guess what? They were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days. And the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city. He refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God. In order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, others chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, others killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, all of them, earned a good reputation because of what? Their faith, their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection Without us, what's the Hebrew writer trying to say? You can have a visible faith in an invisible God because no one who ever trusted in God was ever disappointed. You can hold on to your faith in your present situation and whatever's going on in your life and in your world or with your family or with your work or with your health or whatever's going on. You can hold on to your to your faith and an invisible God, because no one, go back and read the stories, go back and talk to those who have come before you, and get the facts. No one who ever trusted in God was ever, ever disappointed. But there is a hard reality here. There is a hard truth. It is a fact that there are some who put their faith in God, who did not see God come through for them on this side of the grave, and you need to know that as someone who follows Jesus. You need need to know that as someone who maybe right now, you're in the middle of the thick of it. God will come through for you. It may not be on this side of the grave, but God, don't make any mistake about it. God will come through for you. Because of the resurrection, God will come through for you. You can have a visible faith in an invisible God because of this simple fact. No one who ever put all their faith in God, no one who ever went all in with Jesus was ever disappointed. But you know what? There's still a better reason to hold on to your faith when you feel like you can't hold on. In the next two verses, the Hebrew writer says it so well. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, and this I believe trumps every other reason, therefore, and now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. You can have a visible faith in an invisible God. You can hold on to your faith even when you feel like you can't hold on because Jesus held on to his faith when he was hanging on the cross. Because Jesus, when he was taken away, made to carry his own cross, beaten to a pulp, crown of thorns on his head, hands stretched out, nails driven through, lifted up and sat in place, humiliated, completely shamed. Jesus didn't lose his faith in God. Even though, get this, even though the government had let him down, Pilate knew he wasn't guilty, had him crucified anyway. Even though the leadership in the church led him down, the religious leaders, they're the ones that conspired against him to have him crucified. Even though his friends abandoned him, he died alone. Even though, literally, it seemed like everyone around him had let him down on every Level Even from the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken? In other words, why have you abandoned me? But you know, God the Father did not abandon Jesus the Son. And Jesus never lost his faith in his Father. He died that Friday... And it seemed like the story was over. And it's hard for you not to imagine living in the aftermath of the cross before the resurrection. But for those there that day who had put their faith in him, you think they felt let down? Sunday morning, when the sun rose, God rolled that stone away. And the Spirit raised Jesus back from death to life and he walked out of that grave. And the reason that you and I can hold on to a visible faith in an invisible God, even when it feels like we can't hold on, is because Jesus held on to his faith when he was hanging on a cross. The reason that you and I can have a visible faith is in an invisible God is because your God will never Ever let you down Sometimes you may feel let down But God will never ever let you down And maybe the next step for you and for me this week is just to pray this prayer May God help me to have faith in you because You have been so faithful to me God help me be faithful to you because you are always faithful to me God help us be faithful to you because you are faithful to us. God help us to be faithful to you because we know that you never, ever let us down. God help us to be faithful because you are faithful. You can have a visible faith in an invisible God because God has made you a promise. And for those who believe in Jesus, he will come and save you and he will never let you down. You can have a visible faith in an invisible God. Because everyone who ever believed in him and put their hope in him, they were never, ever disappointed. And you can have a visible faith in an invisible God because Jesus held on to his faith when he was hanging on the cross and God was faithful to him. And the same God that resurrected Jesus from the grave wants to resurrect you and me from death to life. Church, if you would, let's let's stand. Told you I would tell you the rest of the story, so i got to do that. Whoops. Uh, Hunter put that tweet up about his Kit Kat being gone, and it went viral. Uh, the Hershey Company saw it, and they tweeted him back, and I think you can see their tweet on the screen. Their tweet from Kit Kat said, Who steals someone's Kit Kat? Who does that? All caps. Shoot us a DM, and we'll replace it for you. Little did Hunter know that a few days later... Hershey was in a truck with 6,500 Kit Kats to fill his car. (laughs) And after that, Kit Kat tweeted this keep your Kit Kat thief. At Jabbins now has all the candy. Hashtag Kit Kat thief. (laughs) All right, two things. One, I know it's really mean on Mother's Day to talk to you about chocolate and not give you any. So in just a minute, when we get done, we have bought containers of Kit Kats. Not 6,000, but a bunch. And our teenagers are going to be in the back, and they're going to give candy to all the moms in the room, all the ladies in the room, so you're getting chocolate. So can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. There you go. Come back next week we can see what we give you. Um, <laughs> but here's the point. Don't miss this. If the Hershey Company is willing to give Hunter Japp and 6,500 Kit Kats because one was stolen, how much more will your heavenly Father take care of you? right? How much more will your heavenly father? I know what you're thinking. God doesn't see and God doesn't know, but God sees. God knows. And God will not let you down. And what I want to do today is close with a blessing from the end of Hebrews, from 13. And after this, we're going to sing a song. Our shepherd's going to be around the room with their wives if, if, if you would move to the to those places now if if you feel like you're in a season of life where you feel let down where you're not sure if god is there where, where you you're holding on but you're not sure you can hang on much longer i would invite you to go pray with these men and their wives and they'll tell you there's nothing magical about their prayers but they will be more than happy to usher you into the presence of god and and god knows and god sees and god will remind you in that moment that he's there and he will not let you down So hear these words, and then let's sing. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. And the church said, amen.